What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Gadget Reason Radio here on Anchor FM. My name is Sean Alfonito, and I'm your host. And this is your tech download for the day. So um, after a couple of weeks of messing around with different formats and how I wanted to integrate other types of shows or segments onto my station here and onto the podcast, I think I've finally narrowed it down to exactly how I want things to work. So these tech download episodes will be kept a little bit shorter and a little bit more fast paced. And if you want a little bit more deeper insights and deeper conversation, you can tune into uh, the tech perspective episodes that I do now once or twice a week on this station and on the podcast as well. So with that being said, let's go ahead and jump in with today's tech download for October 25th, 2017. So I wanted to kick things off today with all of the uh, Apple news that's been swirling around the interwebs for the past couple of days. And uh, I wanted to start with a report coming out of The Verge that says Apple may only be able to ship half the number of iPhone X devices that it originally planned to this year. And that, of course, uh, makes sense when you consider all the issues that have already been widely reported about the production of the iPhone X. Apple uh, actually had to push back the official launch date, which is uh, this Friday at midnight if you're on the Pacific Coast time zone. Um, But basically what it comes down to is the first major issue was OLED yield issues and some bonding issues with the OLED panels that pushed the uh, pushed the production down and had lower yields than expected. So they weren't producing as many iPhones each month as originally planned. But since then, there have been reports of other issues um, with the uh, 3D uh, face sensing camera for um, unlocking the device and a lot of the tech that's in there as well. So basically where they stand now is that they're producing around 10 million iPhone 10 units a month. Um, and that only just started to hit that level towards the end of September. So they're clearly far behind where they wanted to be. And it looks like they may only end up shipping 20 million iPhone 10s this year. So it looks like yields won't really start to pick up to where they originally had hoped they'd be until sometime in uh, January or February. So that's definitely a big blow for Apple because it's going to put a pretty big dent in their sales. And if the reports about the sort of anemic iPhone 8 sales are to be believed, then that means there's a lot of people out there that have been holding out for an iPhone 10. And uh, that's gonna be a lot of sales that Apple could potentially have had if the phones were more widely available. Now, in addition to that story, there's also a story from Mashable.com that says Apple was reportedly forced to water down the Face ID sensor in order to counter the iPhone 10 delays. Basically, the story goes on to talk about how basically Apple reduced the accuracy of the tech fairly late along the manufacturing process in order to be able to increase the yields on the production of the Face ID technology that's in the iPhone 10. So Apple says, of course, that it will still be more secure than its previous technology, which of course is the uh, Touch ID fingerprint sensor, but uh, it definitely raises some questions because this, of course, is Apple's sort of pride and joy has always been that they have stricter tolerances and uh, stricter standards for production. And this uh, definitely speaks to some issues that Apple's having with the production of the iPhone 10. And uh, it's definitely gonna make a pretty big impact on how many of these devices they can pump out. And hopefully this change to the Face ID camera sensor technology is not going to cause any kind of problems with the Face ID unlock feature itself or anything else that could create one of the uh, the now infamous gate scenarios. We we certainly don't want Apple to go through a uh, Face 
face ID gate or something to that effect after the iPhone launch. So um, yeah, it looks like Apple's continuing to have a lot of problems and it looks like the iPhone 10 production rates have uh, finally reached about 400,000 units per week, uh, but supplies are definitely gonna be extremely low in face of the massive demand. Uh, with around 50 million pre-orders expected, you can bet that there's gonna be long wait times and a lot of uh, price hiking happening on places like eBay. So um, if you're interested in getting the iPhone 10, I would highly recommend staying up late and having everything set up in place either on Apple's website or on the carrier of your choice to be ready to go right when they go live. And good luck to all of you out there that are going to do it. I know I'll be there uh, with you guys. So um, it's going to be interesting to see exactly how many iPhone 10s are available. Now, closing out the Apple news, there was a report today from Apple directly saying that uh, iPhone 10s will be available in store November 3rd. Now, of course, that report came with a little caveat, which says that Apple is encouraging anyone who's interested in getting an iPhone 10 on launch day to get there bright and early. So you can bet that there'll be long lines of people waiting uh, overnight or whatever to try and be one of the first probably five to 10 people in line, because I'm willing to bet that's about all uh, each store is going to have. Uh, there, there may be slightly more than that, but with all of the yield issues and all the problems that I've already reported in this uh, segment, you can bet that there's not going to be a whole ton of iPhone 10s available in each individual Apple store around the country. So if you're planning on grabbing an iPhone 10 in person, make sure to uh, pack a sleeping bag and water bottles and coffee and, uh, and get there as early as you possibly can. So if you're planning on doing that, leave me a comment or call in and let me know. I'm curious as to uh, you know what your plan is and what kind of expectations you have for picking one up on launch day. Microsoft has released an updated version of the Surface Precision Mouse that adds extra buttons and a few other features that uh, many people were asking for. So if you're not familiar with the original Microsoft Surface Mouse, it was pretty much widely uh, appreciated. It was definitely got good reviews by most people that had a chance to get their hands on one. I personally tested it out and while I liked it, um, I still preferred my MX Master Mouse uh, or my MX Master S2 over it. However, this new version may give the MX Master and other high-end uh, computer mice. Is it mice or mouses? Mice? Yeah, whatever. Um, it, it definitely might give those a run for its money. So along with a slightly new design, it seems like they added some new uh, three, three new buttons that can be programmed to execute macros, save documents, um, or launch programs. So I'm assuming it'll probably also work with some of the Windows navigation features as well if you choose to uh, assign those buttons to that. Um, but um, the big deal here is that the new Surface Precision Mouse can work either through a micro USB cable or Bluetooth. Now, the silly caveat here is that it will only work on Bluetooth with a Windows 10 PC. So what's interesting is, is that if you have a Mac or if you're using an older Windows 7 or Windows 8 computer um, or anything else, you're going to have to connect it via USB. But Android phones will actually use it via a Bluetooth connection. So if you have like an Android tablet or something. Now, what's really weird here is that Microsoft is actually leaving out the Bluetooth support um, and the customized button support for Windows 10S, which is kind of silly since Windows 10S is actually what ships by default on the Surface laptop. So, uh, but either way, if you're a Windows 10 user and you're looking for an upgrade or a new version of a mouse to try out to see if you can find something that maybe is more comfortable, more accurate, or has some more features that you're interested in, I would definitely take a look at the new Surface Precision mouse 
House, and it will cost $99 when it releases on November 16th in USA and Canada. If you missed yesterday's tech perspective, you can go back and listen to that on the episode section if you're listening via Anchor, or if you're on the podcast, you can listen to it. Um, it was yesterday's podcast episode. But either way, one of the uh, things I talked about was the $200 price cut to the Essential phone. And so if you missed it, the, the Essential phone from Andy Rubin has recently been given a permanent $200 price cut, and it can now be purchased for $499.99. So uh, that is a pretty big deal. I talked a lot about that in the uh, Tech Perspective episode yesterday, but I can tell you that at 500 bucks, the Essential Phone is a steal. It has a great display with basically no bezels, um, if you don't count the little notch at the top, and it's running all the top tier specs you'd expect from any flagship phone for 2017 or early 2018 for that matter, and it's made of high quality premium materials. The ceramic back feels great, it's sticky and grabby so that you won't uh, drop it or it won't slip out of your hands, and the sides are made out of titanium, which is a relatively hard metal and it'll definitely hold up to more abuse than standard aluminum that's used in most flagship smartphones. So all in all, the $200 price drop for the Essential Phone is a pretty great deal and I would highly recommend it to anybody who's looking to buy anything outside of the top two, you know, Samsung, Apple uh, smartphones and wants to maybe buy something just straight up without having to deal with any carrier uh, payment plans or anything else. So um, if you're in the market for a new phone, check out the new Essential Phone. You can go to EssentialPhone.com and grab it there for 500 bucks. With the Xbox One X launch day right around the corner coming on November 7th, we have some early glimpses as to what kind of uh, enhancements we might expect from software titles for the Xbox One X platform. The Gears of War 4 Enhanced for Xbox One X version will be a free download for anybody that currently owns the previous version of Gears of War 4. And the Xbox One X version of Gears of War 4 is going to have an option for an incredibly high 4K detail as well as HDR gaming. The game will run in true 4K resolution as well, so it won't be checkerboarding or any other type of dynamic resolution scaling. Um, but there's also another option for how to play. You can choose between either the visual or the performance mode. So the visuals mode will give you all the bells and whistles, the extra assets and the higher resolution textures as well as HDR. And if you would prefer to uh, have frame rate be the sort of focal point of the features of having a more powerful console, then you can play in performance mode. Performance mode might also be great for anybody who has an Xbox One X and does not have a 4K television. Since you don't have the 4K uh, you know, panel that can display all those pixels anyway, you run it in performance mode and you're getting get all the benefits of the faster load times and the higher frame rates. So there you have it. Uh, it looks like we're having a at least a slight preview as to the kinds of options that game developers might include in the Xbox One X enhanced versions of their titles. So let me know what you guys think. Would you be more interested in running it in the higher resolution with all the bells and whistles in HDR on your 4K television? Or would you prefer to prioritize frame rates? I personally am a really graphically driven person and I would much rather play the game in a way that makes it look the best possible way that it can. And I have a 70 inch 4K TV, which is a pretty large panel. So it definitely is going to be you know, more beneficial for me to have those extra details. Um, but if I had a smaller panel, I might actually choose for the uh, or go for the performance version. So let me know what you guys think and leave me a comment or a call in.
If you're in the market for a new high-end camera or a replacement maybe for a previous DSLR or mirrorless or micro four-thirds camera, you might be interested to know that Sony has recently announced the A7R 3 and it packs in quite a few significant improvements into a pretty familiar and pretty similar package and body size. What's interesting is that Sony only just recently announced the A9, which was an incredibly fast high-end camera, and uh, that was just not that long ago. So it's pretty interesting that Sony had another camera unveiling pretty close to that. And the A7R 3 uh, event took place in China early this morning, and it packed in a whole lot of notable improvements under the hood while keeping the, uh, the body of the phone looking pretty similar to what you're used to. Some of the more obvious physical changes to the A7R 3 is the fact that they added in an additional SD card slot, so it now has two. They added in a joystick for flicking around all the various menus, and it now has two variations of USB ports, a micro USB port for uh, adding in accessories and other things, and it also gets power through a USB-C port. On the inside, the A7R 3 is a full-frame 42.4 megapixel Exomer R sensor powered by the Bionz processor, and the A7R 3 has faster autofocusing and continuous shooting up to 10 frames per second, which is double what you could get out of the previous A7R. On the video side of things, the A7R 3 captures 4K footage using the full width of the sensor, and it once again packs in the Super 35 oversampling mode. Just like the A9, you can shoot 120 frames per second at Full HD, and you now have the option for S-Log 3 and support for Hybrid Log Gamma HDR standards, uh, but most people don't have TVs that can take advantage of that, but if you did, it is available to shoot in that format. If you're interested in the new high-end A7R 3, keep in mind that the price will be $3,200 and it'll be launching in late November. If many of the stories circulating around about the Google Pixel 2 and Pixel 2 XL displays are to be believed, then uh, you're probably pretty concerned about the state of OLED panels, especially with Apple now switching to an OLED panel for the iPhone 10. So the question has been posed, should consumers be concerned about any kind of similar quality control issues with the iPhone 10 when it launches? And I think the overwhelming answer to that should probably be no. Um, however, you never know, there's always some weird things that happen with new phone launches, but um, all the issues with Google's Pixel 2 and Pixel 2 XL display are mostly tied to the fact that the displays are being produced by LG. LG makes some of the most fantastic OLED panels when it comes to making televisions. However, they haven't had the best results when it comes to phones. Um, a lot of the LG phones that have used OLED panels as well as other phones using LG's uh, display technology have run into similar issues with things like burn-in and the blue shift and other problems. So um, with the iPhone 10, uh, it's important to remember that these panels are coming exclusively from Samsung. And as we all know, Samsung basically makes the best smartphone displays that you can get. Now, one thing about the Google Pixel 2 display that I think is not as much as an actual problem as it was a specific choice made by Google is to tone down all the super saturated and overly unrealistic colors that are typically associated with a Samsung OLED panel. For my taste personally, I usually go in and turn down some of those settings whenever that option is available to get more natural looking colors. So if that's the case on the iPhone 10, I won't be terribly disappointed. I'm actually hoping that the iPhone 10 display doesn't have blown out oversaturated uh, reds, blues, and greens um, because I prefer more natural looking colors anyway. But uh, as far as concerns about the uh, iPhone 10 having any kind of similar issues as to what Google is experiencing, I think we're probably pretty safe.
And that's going to do it for today's tech download. Thank you once again to everybody that continues to tune into the station here on Anchor, as well as everybody who is subscribing to the podcast. It means a lot to me that you guys keep tuning in each and every day. And thanks for bearing with me while I continue to figure out exactly how I want to continue on with this format and this platform. So um, if you guys enjoyed the newer, faster paced, more precise and to the point version of today's episode of the tech download, leave me a comment or call in and let me know. Um, I think that this format is definitely going to work better going forward. It's definitely going to make it easier for me to get these episodes out on time. And it's definitely going to be um, a nice sort of complement to the tech perspective episode. So I can kind of separate out some of the news and some of my more deeper dive looks at some of these tech products. So thanks again for tuning in. I appreciate it. If you guys want to leave me a comment or call in, I'll appreciate those as well. And otherwise, I will talk to you guys tomorrow and have a good night.